Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode. With the Formula 1 podcast for fans and by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm joined by my co-driver, should I say my co-host Sam. Hello Sam, how are you? <laughs> Hello Will, hello listeners. I'm very well thanks, yeah not too bad. Um, steadily recovering from an obscenely early start for a Grand Prix on a it Sunday. It was early. What, t- what time are you up? Um... I woke up as your text flashed up on my phone. I didn't wake you up, did I? No, you did not. Okay, I was okay. I was just literally just woken up. Um, yeah. I, can't, I think it was it wasn't even. So I did set an alarm slightly after uh, that text time. So you're lucky there. Um, <laughs> but no, I think uh, Junior woke up and fussed a little bit or something. And oh, that woke up that woke, duty, then. That, that woke us both up. No, no, we didn't have to get her up on it. She's very okay, good. Like okay. she's she's generally really good. We never have to like. She's sorry if you're struggling with children not sleeping anybody listening um our, our baby's a dream she sleeps like a, she sleeps like a dream every night um so yeah we didn't have to uh, get up and and do anything but yeah that woke me up it's almost like she knew she was like daddy get your ass up for the she sen- yeah she sensed it did she did yeah. she join you to watch the race no no oh, definitely not no. not her jam no um thankfully mum got her up and i uh, i managed to watch the race in peace um so yeah that's yeah, pretty good how was your uh how was your weekend it was good. I did also manage to make it up in time this time, having the no fails alarm of the uh, Australian Grand Prix debacle mm-hmm. again. Uh, I was I somehow woke up at like twenty past five, and then I thought, oh, yeah, I might doze off for a little bit. And then I was like ten minutes later, it's like, no, let's let's get up. So I caught some. I caught some of the the pre race build up. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. at five thirty in the morning on a Sunday was was a bit bleak, but quite surreal as well. Quite fun to be up that early, yeah. although I, I did I did those a little bit during the football but later on the day um but yeah no my weekend was good i went wedding menu testing uh, oh how married. was it i'll get married next april mm-hmm. uh very very good yeah. um our caterers spoiled us we were the only couple there so they kind of really looked after us and we had we we've made a load of, load of select, uh, suggest, um, selections beforehand and we just picked uh, and they made one version of, of each so we ate so much food we had like we ate four starters four main courses and three desserts plus canapes so Brilliant. and then any leftovers we took home with us um so yeah got our food all sorted so that was a really exciting exciting day it was good good drive home in a bit of a food food coma um but yeah mm. that, yeah quite a, quite a nice weekend very good very good and so yeah as we said we, we had the uh the f1 race um not only well i'll come on to it now so sam <laughs> who won the race uh, normal service has been resumed, and oh. Max Verstappen sauntered his way to yet another victory in the fastest car. In the fastest car, yeah. No, he was um, back with a back with a vengeance. Um, yeah, you could just tell he was. I mean, I I'd sort of suspected we might see this Max anyway because you could tell he was really annoyed about Singapore. Didn't go well. Um, desperate to put it right, and like Japan was always going to be a circuit that favoured that car. It's a high aero. Um, kind of high tire degradation, needing lots of downforce kind of circuit that suits brave drivers that like quick entry to corners, and that's Max Verstappen down to a T. So, um, yeah, it always looked like it was going to be a really potent combination. So it proved. What was it? What was it practice one or something? He was on the hard tire, and everybody else was on the medium and the softs, and he blitzed them all by one point four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, okay, that's quite I ominous. <laughs> yeah practice one everyone else was running mediums and softs max comes out on hards and blitzes it by 1.4 seconds it's quite funny wow um yes he was imperious all weekend never looked like anyone's gonna lay, lay a glove on him i mean the first sort of four seconds of the race were interesting because the mclarens <laughs> got a half decent jump and lando looked like he might make a move and then max was just like nope not this time slammed the door and then drove off into the distance as per the norm yeah it was a very easy win for him wasn't it yeah it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a reminder of like how good the Singapore Grand Prix was. The fact that, you know, how, how exciting that felt to have a different winner when the fact like for most of this race, again, Max was not in the coverage at all. Max barely appeared. I think he literally, I think they only cut to him for his pit stop, mm. uh, at one of his pit stops. And when he was crossing the line, apart from that, didn't they, even in commentary, they didn't mention him once, which is, um, you know, crazy. Um, yeah. Although, although it was a bit sad that he did say he didn't like podcasts. Uh, I mean, hopefully it wasn't this podcast he, in the post-race debrief he was saying, oh, you know, because Langley was cracking jokes about how oh, wow, this is the post-race podcast. Mm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I don't even like podcasts. So uh, fingers crossed we, we weren't the one that turned him off. I felt a bit bad for Piastri in that situation because he was like, first first podium ever, first time on Max's podcast. And he said, 
you know first time when when lando cracked his joke about podcasts and then for max just to be like i don't like podcasts yeah. <laughs> oscar must have been like okay I, I thought Lando had, had Lando had that scripted to a to a T. He'd been practicing that line for weeks, I think, ready for that moment to to get the memes, the attention. Yeah. Um, but you know, with 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 Max winning, uh, it was quite fitting, really. With Max winning and being the only driver of Red Bull to finish the race, uh, they won the constructors' championship. You know, they, they did. They won it by they got double the points of anyone else near them. It was never in doubt from probably about race two or three that they were going to win the constructors. But it was I thought it was quite nice for Max to win it by himself. You know, Checo just letting him you know just go on and do it, <laughs> following the rest of the season that they've had. Um, well, that, well, let's come straight on to Checo, seeing as, seeing as I've said his name. I mean, I feel like if we were to go back and look through all the episodes, Checo has probably had some of the most. He must be up there as one of the drivers that had the most airtime on this podcast. Yep. Um, and this weekend he uh, he lived up to it again. He deserved his. His his you know what's what's about to come to him. He got he's been given a Latifi uh, by by myself. Um, for just an absolute shocker. I mean, it was a catalogue of errors. Um, from the get go, the start, he kind of, I see at the start. I think the start was slightly he was he was swerving to avoid the Ferrari and then swerved a bit too much to force out Lewis. But that happened like twice, and I think it was a demonstration of like how good those drivers when the Ferrari was swerving, Checo was swerving, and then Lewis swerving, that there wasn't a crash because the more junior drivers behind them, they all they collided. There was debris everywhere. So it kind of showed you that they weren't that. But I thought mm-hmm. that was a bit mm, not great. And then when there was a safety car, he cocked it up going into the in the pit. So he got a penalty. Comes out, racing resumes, and then tries to make a pass on Kevin Magnussen, which was never there. It was far too it was far too far behind. Uh, and hits him, so then K-Mag spins away, um, and then he has to get. I think he had two front, new front wings throughout the rest of the, uh, the throughout, throughout the the race. Um, I saw someone say online that Red Bull doesn't just give you wings; it now gives you front wings. I enjoyed that piece of content very much. I've also really enjoyed the. Um, have you still seen the still photograph of uh, Magnussen facing Checo? Oh it, yes, and, I have. And, like, I have. It just looks like. Uh, you know, like in those, um, like, I don't know, like Breaking Bad or like one of those like kind of American films where like two people meet up in the desert to like have a face-to-face <laughs> conversation and the cars park opposite. It just looked like that. Like the two cars are just parked and they were like about to go head to head. It was quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. That no, was good for, yeah. Checo's generally pretty good for the memes, but um, yeah, this weekend he took the biscuit a bit. Yeah. And then, and then he retires on, on lap 15 and yep. then they, fair play to Red Bull. I thought this was genius. They spotted that he got given a penalty, and they spotted if they could unretire him, he could go and do a lap or two, serve his penalty, and then he wouldn't carry over to Qatar. Uh, and I did think it was the cameraman was having a field day. Max Verstappen pits, and then as soon as Max pits, he he turns, spins around on the spot, and there's just Checo watching it from his from his car, waiting to come out to that. Um, and then yeah, he, and, and then he then comes and uh, retires again. So he's the first ever driver to retire twice in a in a weekend. <laughs> in race which is fair play to him if you're gonna have a, a shocking season you might as well go down in history with a with a good record um and yeah i'm just miles off it um and if you look at the mistakes he made this weekend the mistakes he made in singapore you know they're, they're really really bad loss of form uh errors i think he's making uh just he's driving like he's on mario kart just sort of hitting into people bumping around it's it's pretty pretty amateur i think well what did you make of of Checo's of Checo's weekend. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um I mean they've not been he's not had many good weekends, has he really, probably since Saudi. Yeah. And that is going back some now in this season, um, of twenty three races or whatever it is. Um Yeah, I don't know, this weekend it felt a bit different. It was almost like he didn't want to be there. Like yeah, in other races I I've seen he's, as well. he's been a bit like overzealous and stuff some other times and like you can tell he's like desperate to try and compete with Max and you see that kind of thing happen from time to time, but it wasn't like he was overdriving the car or it was just clumsy all over really the whole weekend. And yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to speak to the motivation of a guy I don't know at all, but it just, it didn't look right. And all like the body language and stuff wasn't particularly good either. It's not, I wouldn't say he's like given up or anything, but it looks like a guy that didn't really care that much that he was driving into people and costing his team money albeit not points and stuff because they've already won the constructors as you say do you do you think you know we we've talked about this throughout the season 
we've speculated on whether Red Bull are going to be ruthless. Could could we actually see Checo at the end of the season going, oh, do you know what, I, I don't fancy it anymore. Maybe, I mean, uh, possibly. I mean, you know, winter's a strange thing. I mean, the number of times I thought Bottas was going to give it up yeah, when he was racing against Hamilton, because every year he had the same motivation and then he got beat comfortably every year for a while. And every year he came back and we saw all through Netflix Drive to Survive that he had that, you know, went through that winter period, built up all that motivation and kind of, I'm going to beat Lewis this year sort of attitude, which is great. Didn't happen, but great. And I do think like Checo will probably go through a similar thing this winter, right? He'll the the season will end. He'll go off. He'll come back. There'll be a couple of street races early doors next season. He'll win a couple, maybe. He'll think I'm in the championship fight, and then he'll get spanked as per every year. Um, it's more it's more from a Red Bull perspective now. Like it, it a lot depends how close it is next year. Like if someone puts together a car that's a realistic challenger. To Red Bull's total dominance of the championship. Never mind the drivers, because Max is on a different level right now. But the constructors, yeah. particularly like McLaren, Mercedes, or Ferrari, pr- predominantly maybe Aston. You never know. But those three teams, I think, are more likely th- to be the ones that challenge next year. If that happens, they surely have to be thinking about it because if Checo's performances continue as they have this year, they're going to find themselves really struggling to hold on to that constructors' title because all those other teams have got absolute dynamite lineups right now. Like. Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri are fantastic. Lewis Hampton, as we agree, is the greatest driver of all time. And George Russell's very, very good. And then Ferrari have got Leclerc and Sainz. And like, you look at their lineup at Red Bull and you think, I mean, you're in a very fortunate position that the car's bulletproof. Max is Max. And everybody else is so far behind. Because if if any of those three things weren't true, this would be much closer and there'd be a bigger conversation. I know we'll probably talk a bit about Liam Lawson in a bit, but the way he's driving at the moment right now, like, I honestly think Red Bull would have rocks in their head to not give him a go over over um, Checo. And I know, like, yes, maybe Yuki or whatever have been in the sport longer, but I think I've I've seen enough from Liam Lawson in the last three races that make me think there's a really good driver there. Like, yeah. they should be giving... I mean, it's, you know, it's a big ask, isn't it, to come in and race against Max, but maybe, you know, Max dominance, the pressure's off a little bit for a new driver. He's He'd be a relative rookie, have time. And there's no, you're not telling... There's no way you can convince me he'd do worse than Checo has. No. So I do wonder if maybe they're thinking about it, but I don't know. The rumor is they've just signed him up to a um, extra driver contract and they'll give him a seat in twenty five. But I'd be tempted to make it sooner if it was me. But yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think it's it's I think he looks quality and just where 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 he's good enough to slot in. Is he good enough to go? Because it is a big jump to become a rookie, you know, or to be very early on your Formula One career going up to Red Bull. We've seen that with Gasly. We saw that with with Albon and they both really struggled being in that in that second seat. Mm. I think I think you're right. Um as you said that Lawson has been given a contract to be the test driver, well it's reported to be the test driver for Red Bull next year, but with an obligation to race for either Red Bull Alpha Tauri in twenty twenty five. But I think the strategy is let's keep Liam on standby. And you know, if Yuki steps up on a level next year or if Ricardo is but you know electric hot in Alpha Tauri They've got three really strong options that they can move around quite quickly to fill that second seat if Checo bombs. And I think they, I think that would be the plan. It'd be to get rid of one, if to get rid of Checo, whoever is in the best form, whoever they're most confident with, they'll take the Red Bull. And you know, if, if that's Ricardo going up to Red Bull, Lawson will go there. Or if it's Lawson, he'll go up to to Red Bull. Um, mm. I think it's got to be Lawson personally. Lawson's beaten wow. Sonoda three times wow. now, three races in a row. He's beaten him, and Sonoda beat Ricardo pretty handsomely when he was in the team and. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting how Ricardo does when he comes back because he's mm. is still TBC. They don't. They didn't sound too confident that he's going to be back for Qatar, so he might yeah. be back for um, Austin. But you know, if his performance is struggling a bit, or if he gets warped by Yuki, that could make it a bit interesting to see what happens there. Like you say, with how Red Bull assess their drivers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we should come on to those that finish in P two. Yes, and P three. Yes, and it was. Um, you want to give a bit of a shout out to your to your new fave? Yeah, the Papaya Boys and Oscar. I mean, Oscar Piastri in particular. Um, I mean, they both did a very good job in the race. I think Lando demonstrated his class in the yeah. Grand Prix, actually. Um, uh, but Piastri outqualified him and put the car on put put the car on the front row. And for a rookie, that's that is unreal. Like a long, long time yeah, since yeah. we've seen that happen. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, I, he was really impressive all weekend. He's just rapid, really, really rapid. And and 
I mean, the, the bit that he needs to work on for sure is like tire management, race management type stuff. And that's exactly what you'd expect from a rookie, particularly one who's raw and speedy. Um, and on a circuit like Suzuka that he hasn't really driven much before and uh, and the level of degradation that they have there, which is really, really high, um, it does require a special kind of tire management that only really, really good drivers that have had a lot of experience in Formula One can do. And I think it was... It's quite telling to me that like the people, the drivers that did the best on Sunday were the drivers that historically have got a very good reputation for managing their tyres. Max Verstappen, yeah. Lando, Lewis as well, I think probably did a better job than George did in the race in terms of managing tyres. So, definitely. yeah, I think that's that's definitely the the bit that he needs to work on. But that's all stuff that he'll learn. That's just data, right? He will he will get it over the course of the next 12, 18 months, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if, say, the J- Japanese race twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five he's worked it out by that point. And I think he will be an extremely exciting proposition from a championship perspective when that happens. So yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, Norris had a really good race. I mean, they both qualified well, second, third, um, drove a really good race, never really under any threat from the podium positions. Like I don't, Mercedes and Ferrari weren't really out of the races. Lol, for want of a better phrase. They were busy fighting with each other and McLaren were off in a very, very clear second place. It's just an amazing turnaround really, isn't it? Considering yeah. where they were at the start of the season. I mean, Bahrain, they were miles behind, and they've t- completely turned it around to be, you know, the second the second quickest team this season. You'd probably say since yeah, I'd, they're, so they've shown more consistent second team uh, in the standings than than Aston did or Mercedes or Ferrari have. Um, and I think also before the race, you and I were texting each other saying, "Oh, we wonder what the gap will be that Max will set. Mm-hmm. Will it be thirty seconds?" And I think we should be encouraged that the McLaren is getting quicker because it was actually only 20 seconds. I think that surprised quite a few people. It, surprised, it definitely surprised me. Yeah. And I think Lando made quite an interesting comment at the end in his when he was driving in. He said, uh, we're getting closer, but we've still got a long way to go. Or like, it's a bit contradictory, but it sounds like he's quite up for the fight for Red Bull. And I think it would be amazing if, you know, if we had a Red Bull versus McLaren fight off next year. I think seeing those drivers fight against each other, I would, would love to see it. Um, just because I think they're all quite young and quite quick and quite aggressive. Can you, could you imagine that a battle between Lando, Oscar, and Max for for wins? I'm not, I'm discounting Checo because he'll be <laughs> sat in the garage or spinning <laughs> around somewhere else. Yeah, that would that would be really exciting. Um, I mean, Lando and Max are obviously very good friends. I think as well, there's always something a bit spicier when people that have got like people who have good relationships are racing yeah. with each other, and you see that friendship tested to some extent. I mean, we saw it with um, most notably Lewis and Nico when they raced um 2015 2016 so yeah that would be really good i'm I'm really hopeful mclaren can can deliver something like that it's it is the long way i mean i know 20 seconds is good and that's progress for sure but it's still pretty significant and i'm convinced it could have been more probably but you know well let's let's live in hope shall we we'll see i mean i mean the best thing mclaren can do next year is get rid of that bloody papaya livery the car would probably go half attempts quicker at least um, <laughs> if they got rid of it so um yeah no they're, they're really good they're in a really good place i think it's quite notable what hamilton said as well about mclaren and that they've clearly got what did he say i think he said they've clearly got the direction of travel perf like right they're on the yeah. right track and and we need to follow suit basically was his message um and obviously they're another mercedes customer team <laughs> <laughs> outperforming Mercedes this season, which will be very, very irritating, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, you can't can't knock it really. They've just got done a great job. I think as well, like what they've they half of it's really re- re- like amazing work, half of it's lucky. Like their chassis hasn't needed any changes. Like they've made all of these great aerodynamic changes and the new floor and stuff and the new philosophy, but they've been able to do that because of the way they designed the chassis. Mercedes haven't been able to do that, and that's one of the biggest things that Lewis and others are pushing for next year. Like they really need to look at the chassis and make sure it's in a place that can deliver the kind of philosophy that they've moved to now um but yeah take nothing away from mclaren coming back from i think it was 17th and dead last they were in bahrain and the absolute laughing stock of formula one for a team that was you know historically winning championships not that long ago um to to where they are now basically being second only to max in a red bull that is one of the fastest cars we've ever seen uh from a sort of dominance perspective in formula one there's a brilliant brilliant effort so yeah kudos to all all those at um at the mclaren factory in um where is it it's not far from me is it working yeah 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 um yeah very good i suppose we need to see mclaren make up make a step up to be challenging for titles because 
what since not since Lewis was there have they really been in the in a title conversation they a couple of years ago and then they had signs and Lander. they were kind of on that trajectory then they kind of took a backward step with mm. when Ricardo was there and it seems like they've re, re, regained that position they're on that momentum they kind of need to step up from being the nearly men to being challenging for wins and obviously you know if they weren't going up against absolute bullet in in the red ball they would be that'd probably be a much easier task but i think it'd be quite hard Got a good quiz question for you. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, Lando Norris broke the record for the most points scored by a driver without a win. Obviously, this is all inflated because of um, the number of points you get now. You know, in the last what fifteen years of F one uh, is is much higher because you know they give twenty five for a win, whereas back when Schumacher and Senna and all that lot, it was ten for a win. So yeah, yeah it's a bit different. But so Hulkenberg has broken the record, and I've given it away. I've given it away. Sorry, I ruined my fun, my fun <laughs> quiz question. There, I was gonna, I was gonna say who's who's second to him, who who's just beat. Who's, oh, I would have, I would have guessed Hulkenberg because he's famous, yeah. isn't he, for never he's being for on never, the podium, for never being on the podium. Whereas at least uh, Lando's been on the podium multiple times. But yeah, sorry about that. I'm sure, like we said last weekend uh, after the Singapore race, the opportunity for for Lando to win a race is gonna be is gonna come soon, isn't it? Surely. Yeah, it has to. It has to. He is too good not to win a race soon. Um, yeah, he's just brilliant. He's got everything you want in a driver right now. Pace, race management, time management, cool head, great wheel to wheel, good attitude. Yeah, I think there's a serial race winner there. I, whether or not he can win a championship, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that I'm not sure that Leclerc will necessarily win a championship either. I think he's... Oh, a really fast driver. I mean, I, I really thought... want him to as well. Yeah. I, I really want Lando to. I really want. I want them all to win championships. Basically, <laughs> like Piastri, everyone, Lando, everyone except, from the, everyone except from the lizard killer and daddy's favorite boy. Of course, yeah. Well, the lizard killer's already got two, stripped, <laughs> stripped, stripped of one for killing a lizard. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think there's any dangerous straw winning a world championship anytime, ever. Yeah, no. um, yeah. Lando, Lando will win a race very soon. Yeah. I'm sure of it. As you mentioned, the lizard killer, Fernando Alonso, we should come on to Aston because, as we said, I think I point out in Singapore, McLaren are going to be, are we going to beat them in the World Championship? It's, it's a dead cert. And Lando is, Land, um, Fernando is still fourth in the driver's standings. And I feel like he's going to, he's going to tumble by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I saw that since summer break, Williams and Aston have both scored six points each, which is incredible drop off considering where that Aston was at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and I did, I did, I mean, the highlight of the weekend for me has to be uh, Fernando Alonso's message on the radio when he said in a very desperate and very despairing voice, "You fed me to the lions." Like it, I think he felt like he'd been absolutely like screwed over, and he was also again complaining about the car a bit as well um, and his performance. So kind of you know we did call this at the start of the season that he would fall out at some point with with Aston but uh, yeah quite a funny one yeah that was a brilliant piece of team radio very good I'm 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 gonna have a look at what we can do with some fans team radio because I feel like there's some content somewhere in there and it's just too good not to particularly like Alonso he's just such good value yeah. um so yeah that, that was very enjoyable now Aston have an absolute shocker at the moment I think I mean it doesn't help that they've only got one really really good driver at the team <laughs> which they've one's won. that one well <laughs> have a guess um the other one qualified 17th or whatever and yeah just not not looking particularly good at all um but to be fair i mean alonso only qualified 14th so it's not like he's absolutely smashing it in comparison um and yeah apart from the what i perceive to be quite a fortunate podium in zandvoort they've not really done very much for a long time now and they've obviously gone in the development of extra direction that's not particularly worked they've been outdeveloped by all of their rivals and yeah, things change pretty quickly in Formula One, don't they? You would never have thought after the first couple of races that McLaren of all teams would be chasing yeah. down and catching yeah. Aston Martin, who were looking, you know, pretty, you know, pretty likely to pick up podiums on a very regular basis. Because didn't Alonso get like three or four podiums in a row at the start of the yep. season? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's gone gone badly quite quickly, isn't it? Yeah, well, for him and for Perez, because we rem- I remember for the first. That's the first three races. I said, oh, how often are we going to see this combination of Verstappen, Alonso and Perez? And we've barely seen it because no. of Alonso going backwards and Perez, you know, having an absolute shocker. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And we should move on to the next big story uh, from the race in Japan. And that was Mercedes 
and there was a bit of tension last it last time out in Singapore, and there's definitely tension again this weekend. It definitely feels like this unhappy campers in in the team camping uh, in Mercedes. Um, what's your assessment of what's going on and what happened throughout the race? What what do you what do you sort of see it as? Uh, George Russell is the unhappy camper. Well, Lewis wasn't particularly happy either. Um, but I think George in general is the unhappy camper in in that particular camp uh, encampment, whatever you want to call it. Um, no, not not brilliant. I mean, yeah, Russell Russell made a mistake. I think doing a one stop strategy at one of the highest occasion circuits on the calendar. Um, yeah, I, I just on that, I found that really a really odd strategy because. It sounded like the McLarens were quite concerned about him, but then actually how it unfolded, he was no way near, and he was going backwards, and it just seemed a really bizarre strategy that that he thought was going to work. And I think you said this before about he, he sometimes likes to think he's some sort of strategy genius. I wondered if he pushed for that, and then it kind of it seemed like it was an odd mistake for it. Would, it wouldn't didn't seem like something the team recommending. It seemed like he was it was so odd that he must have been pushing for that. Yeah, no, the team radio was pretty telling. So so Russell oh, really? said, "Can consider Plan B uh, or consider Option B or whatever, which is the one stop I suspect." And the radio, the team came on the radio and said, "We can do that, but you will be putting yourself under pressure at the end of the race. We think we'll be under pressure at the end of the race," which is them effectively saying, "We don't think that's a good idea, George." But he pushed for it. I think. Uh, and you do start to see this when people feel pressure. Um, decisions uh, or poor decisions are being made, I think. You saw it last week um, with Russell. He was obviously pushing uh, pushing really hard to try and win the race. The um, you know, Mercedes strategy last weekend, as we talked about, or last weekend, the weekend before, as we talked about, was fantastic. Um, no, it was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, and they were pushing for the win. And I think... The pressure he feels right now because of uh, the race results and the fact that Lewis Hamilton is comfortably beating him, as some of us predicted would happen <coughs> at the start of the season, um, Lewis is definitely back. And it's not easy, I suspect, being his teammate um, in general, because you're going to get beat most off, more often than not. And it, he just looks like a guy desperate to try and lay down a marker and beat his teammate. And that's what happened last weekend. He was overdriving the car. Um, trying to you know overtake Norris in front of him, but also in the knowledge that Lewis was probably faster behind him because he caught right up, um, managed his tyres better and was probably in a better position to attack. And there was a discussion about whether they should swap the cars and let Lewis have a go. And so we found ourselves in a similar situation this weekend where George sent the car, didn't he, after Lewis made a little mistake early doors in the race. And then they had what I thought was a really good battle, actually. like They, they sort of raced really hard, but really fairly. Left and left each other enough space, and Lewis came out on top. Um, and then later in the race, we find ourselves in a situation where George, because he's on that one-stop strategy, has put himself in pretty poor situation from a tire management perspective, and he's being chased down by Science. Um, and he's basically asked the team, has a need for Lewis to slow down or, or for Lewis to stay behind him and then play the old Carlos now the patented Carlos Science DRS banter tactic. Um, but it didn't. Re- it was never really going to work out like that. Um, and I think as well, it's just it just felt a bit like I just remember feeling that was a bit rich for George to be saying we need to be playing the team game here because, as I say earlier in the race, playing the team game probably isn't sending the car at the inside of your teammate after he's made a slight mistake, and then having a you know five six corner battle with him for position on track. Like you're either going to f- race him or you're not. And I get that like they're towards the end of the race and thinking about points and stuff, but. Lewis was by far the faster car, could have built the gap as we saw he did and keep that fifth place. Um, I don't think there was any situation realistically where Mercedes were going to keep fifth and sixth together. I mean, Sainz was much faster than Russell and it's, you know, you're asking an awful lot to try and keep uh, keep him behind him, whatever happens. So, yeah, I don't know. It all just felt a bit, um, I don't know, desperate for me. I think George, yeah. it just felt a bit desperate from George all race. He was yeah. desperate about the strategy. The strategy call came out of desperation. He was desperate to try and pass Lewis, couldn't make it stick. Um, and then he was desperate to try and maintain position at the end of the race. And part of me wonders, like, if they had, for example, managed to, let's for argument's sake say they left the cars as they were, played the DRS game and managed to keep science behind both of them. Do you think George would have agreed to swap the cars on the last lap? No. I have my doubts. No. no. Um, and I think that's probably why Lewis was a bit pissed as well at the end, because he was the faster car. It cost him a load of time. And then he had to drive the wheels off the car the last three laps to keep science at bay. Yeah. Um, 
which wouldn't have been the case if George had let him through three laps earlier. And you know, he did. He he. It sounds like he pretended to not hear the radio message asking him to move out of the way. They had to tell him a few times. Then Toto had to make a phone call from home because it didn't look like George was going to move and tell him it was an order. Um, and then it happened, and he was a bit sassy on the radio afterwards. And it was just it all was just a bit unnecessary. And I think I don't know. I feel like Mercedes need to like slap that out of him a little bit because that kind of attitude is not going to serve you well if you're fighting with Lewis Hamilton seriously next year because it just shows you crack a little bit under that kind of pressure. And we've seen it with plenty of other drivers before. We've just spent ages talking about Checo. It's the exact same situation he's been in most of the season. He's felt a lot of pressure to try and compete with his teammate, made loads and loads of mistakes. And it's the same, happens all the time. Like Bottas was the same. Rosberg was the same as well. Like it just happens. Um, but George is too young. I think in the sport and has such a long future ahead of him to allow, I don't know, his reputation to potentially be damaged by the fact that he's feeling a bit precious about the fact that he's behind Lewis in the championship by some way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. I think as well, it's just, it's a bit like he's, you know, they always say about the friend of a driver, you've always got to beat your teammate. I thought that's so drummed into him that he can't accept not beating his teammate. Yeah. Whereas the, the key thing I saw when I, when I was, following uh, the race afterwards was Lewis in his post-race interview was saying you know I don't I don't know why we're wasting time fighting each other because in the championship we're nowhere near each other and Lewis Lewis is not being you know bitchy on the radio or being overly aggressive trying to you know absolutely send it on George I think he's wanting George to see what he sees in the sense that like you know look at the bigger picture here we've got to fight Ferrari here for second place to constructors you're costing me time on my fresh tyres I've wasted three laps here. You've ignored the call three times. You're making life harder for me. You want you want to do a strategy that will benefit you and not me. Like Lewis has seen it all. I think I think Lewis was quite annoyed by the end of it. And he did seem pretty pissed in his post race interview as well. And I saw there's a video that they put out of um, Lewis is having a debrief with Bono and George walks in, sort of says hello to everyone, and they had a very quick like high five, and that was it. Him and George, and I think there'll be some there'll be some strong words spoken. Yeah. Off, offline which is what it needs really and I think Lewis just needs to just assert his dominance as, as the, the main man and George George, I think George is in that sort of trap at the moment where he thinks he's one of the greatest drivers in the sport and I, I put him in that top tier of drivers in the sport at the moment but I think he thinks he's already better than Lewis and I think that's just starting to shine through and I think some of his decisions are thinking he, he, he thinks he's got Lewis's number whereas actually He's not had a good of a season as Lewis. Lewis is incredible at everything in the sport and has seen it all, done it all. And I just think, you know, I think you're right. I'd be very, very nervous if this was a world championship, if they were behaving like this with each other, because it goes back to that Rosberg-Hamilton rivalry where it was so tense, it cost the team points, and it was just so toxic, and it just got worse and worse. And you kind of feel we're on that sort of trajectory a little bit here, but not as high stakes, whereas... You know, if we're going for wins and this is happening, oh, I don't, I don't think I could watch. I think it'd be, I think it'd be so, uh, so tense, sort of seeing this unfold between the two of them. And I think they'd be, they would struggle. The team would struggle to regulate them. And I think Toto would have to be so, so hard line with it. Yeah, I think so. I, I actually think that, and I know we're we're kind of semi. We, you in particular are a big Mercedes fan. I, I like Mercedes as well. I know we kind of give them a a relatively good press but I actually think the way they manage their drivers is probably the best on the grid to be honest with you because both drivers are always afforded every opportunity from the start of a season to win a world championship or win races and with regard to strategy and development and all the rest of it like I don't think Mercedes have a clear favorite from race number one onwards like both drivers get a fair crack and at some point during the season particularly if they're challenging for championships as was the case when Hamilton and Bottas were teammates there would always come a point during the season where it was basically impossible to see Bottas as it was back then winning the championship and a decision was made that clearly one driver was faster than the other and when decisions have to be made about prioritizing one driver over another particularly where it means you know when we're talking about inverting cars and stuff on track that decision is very very simple and that's the kind of what that's basically what you sign up for and I think we're in that situation now like not necessarily with regards to challenging for championships and race wins because and because Mercedes aren't challenging for a championship, I actually think if they were challenging for race wins right now and say all of that battling was for the win yesterday, I think it's all fair game. Totally. Like if I were Russell, I would not be moving out of the way of Lewis Hamilton to allow him to win a great race over me right now. hundred percent. No problem with that, but they aren't. 
they are not challenging for race wins. They are challenging for a constructor's position right now ahead of Ferrari, which means a lot of money for the team. And because of that, I think if Mercedes think Lewis is the faster driver and this season he has demonstrated yet again, he is the faster driver and he is more consistent. He scored more points than Russell. Like it's 75 now the gap. Um, you prioritize the guy who's fastest. And that mm. is an end of it. And I feel like George kind of needs to make his peace with that a bit this season because there's still quite a few races to go. And if this continues and it costs Mercedes points and we see Ferrari overtake them in the championship, I wouldn't want to be having that conversation with Toto Wolff, let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they do manage their drive as well. But I think they, they've kind of... The warning sign was in Singapore where they needed to be a bit firmer with them because, it, you know, I think in hindsight, well, they should have probably inverted them and given Lewis the crack at Lando and Carlos. Whereas, you know, what they didn't... They, they kind of let George go at it. And then what that meant was he then DNFs out the race. And then yesterday, we had it... What well, it was twice when we had two incidents on the, on the circuit where they were fighting unnecessarily with each other they do need I've, if i was toto i'd pull them in the room like right george you, you're here to support lewis now we, the aim is p2 in the constructors if there's a moment where lewis has got the advantages behind you you let him through as soon as we tell you to you don't argue with it bang like that, that's that's what i think mercedes needs to do to manage the drivers now it seems like they're still trying to let them race and that's just costing them and they think they're kind of getting a bit lucky, but that could be detrimental by the time we get to Abu Dhabi. So I do agree with you. Where I disagree with you is about Singapore. So I, okay. I think because Singapore, they were there was a reasonable, realistic possibility that George Russell could win the race from that position. They let it. They let them race, and I think that's totally fair enough. I think if they find themselves at any point in the in the season fighting for uh, race wins. And regardless of whether or not Lewis is faster, because it was exactly the same in Brazil last year, right? George was in front of Lewis. Lewis probably was quicker than George, even with a bit of damage from his little kerfuffle with Verstappen. But George defended really, really well, raced really well, and totally deserved that win. And it was a real feather in the cap. And like the fact that they were allowed to race, I feel like was a, the absolute perfect decision to be made there. And it's the same this year. Like if they're challenging for wins, let them race. But they weren't yesterday. They were challenging for fourth and fifth place, for goodness sake. Or not even fourth, but fifth place. Like it's not a podium. It's not a win. They're trying to secure as many points as possible to stay ahead of Ferrari. And in that situation, I think George just, like he needs to see the bigger picture. And like pick your battles as well. Like don't pick a battle for fifth place in a race that you're never going to win. It's basically meaningless in a season where you're not going to win, likely win races, you're not going to win a world championship. Like, fair enough. If this is about a win in a championship season or whatever, go full Rosberg about it, by all means. But like, we're not in that situation. Just, I don't know. If I was George's manager, I'd just be like, look, you're a really good driver. You're up against one of the greatest of all time. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Also, just enjoy it now for the rest of the season. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's that's. I think that's covered off. That's been a good, healthy debate on Mercedes there, <laughs> and probably you know, good to criticise them as well, and good to just put them under the microscope, the microscope in a bit of a, a different light to usual. Um, before we go to a break, let's just do Williams on Williams, um, because uh, <laughs> should we? Oh, well, I feel, ba- I feel well, bad. The, you know, the double DNF, which wasn't great, um, and the sergeant had uh, well, as he was. I think you sent me this this weekend. He's now been dubbed the American Latifi Logan Sargent, which I feel like is... I think that's a bit unfair, really, because Latifi wasn't a rookie and he was still making his mistakes. But anyway, um, he had a terrible crash in, in qualifying. And I saw a crazy stat. It's currently 16-0 to Albon in qualifying this year. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. So I, I've given, I have given Sargent uh, my Latifi this week. Oh, I've given the American no. Latifi the original Canadian Latifi. Um, oh, yeah, it was just bad, really, really bad. I mean, Williams weren't really up to much of a weekend anyway. They weren't realistically going to get any points. But uh, his first time lap in qualifying, he totally binned the car, made a right mess of it. They basically had to take a, they had to take a load of penalties because they had to rebuild the car with parts from a third car. It was it was almost a third car they had to build for him basically for him to race yeah. yesterday. Um, and then he crashed the crashed the car again, like sent it up the inside of Bottas, crashed into him caused Bottas a load of damage as well so he ended up retiring it was just it was just such a mess and like being slow is one thing I mean it's bad it is bad to be slow in Formula 1 but being slow and cumbersome and costing your team millions of pounds in damage yeah, it's well, just that's the problem 
it's such a bad combination. Yeah, they had to didn't they, they had to use air, old aero and stuff, right? Like from yeah, like yeah. the previous versions of the car to basically put one out and have have a car in the race. It's just yeah. And, J- and James Vowles is saying that they're having to be really careful about their resourcing and their their fund their funding and the money they're spending because they need to spend it on you know next year's car. But yeah. because the the cost of repairs are going up every weekend at the moment, um, it's just costing them as well. I think the thing that's concerning is that since he's sort of his future's become more and more under scrutiny, his performances have got worse and he just he just doesn't look in control, doesn't look like he's confident or assured. Mm-hmm. And it looks desperate. And that's that's the same thing with Checo. They both there's a lot of similarities between them considering the, the different stages there are in their career, but they just both look quite desperate and they're both making really rash decisions that are then really costly mistakes, which is ruining their race, their team's race getting them penalties and costing them lots of money to repair the car yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i <coughs> james vowels is being much nicer about it than i would i think oh well and, and far nicer than gunter steiner would be i mean given what you know gunter said about mick schumacher when he sacked him for crashing the car too much yeah. um yeah i wouldn't uh i wouldn't be keeping sergeant on for another season i think if it was me i'd be looking no. to get somebody else in um which feels really mean to say about a rookie but just yeah, sixteen nil, lots of crashes, very expensive and slow. Just probably knock the, out the, for Formula One. There's not, there's yeah, there's not, it's, there's not been enough promise to sort of keep him in the sport. Is it? He just doesn't look like he's at the level. To, he probably needs a lot longer to stay and to sort of sort himself out in the sport. And I just don't think Williams can afford to carry someone like that for two years. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, well, with that sad, sad note on probably the end of Logan Sargent's career. <laughs> I mean, not confirmed yet, so he could he could live for another day. Um, but let's hope he doesn't become the American Latifi any more than he is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, we'll take a very quick break. Hello, welcome back from the break. Hope you had a jolly old time. We're going to dive straight back into our predictions game and to hear the results from the Japanese Grand Prix. So, Sam, over to you. How do we do this weekend? Any uh, anyone anyone get zero zero zero? Uh, no, no zero zero oh. zero. Sorry to report. Um, uh, but some interesting results nonetheless. Uh, let's have a little look. Okay, so twenty twenty three Japanese Grand Prix results. <clears throat> you had first up number five, uh, DRS King himself, Carlos Sainz. You predicted finishing fifth. He finished in sixth, so you pick up one point. Very good. Nice. I, you were quite pessimistic about that prediction at the time. I, was. I think you were tipping him for glory, but you were the papaya crew surprised you. Yeah, they did a bit. Um, and I, I obviously forgot that Ferrari's deck isn't great, and Japan is a very high deck circuit. <laughs> but it's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah, it's, it's definitely getting better. I'll, I'll tell you what, just a quick note. We haven't talked about Ferrari at all, but in the context of the predictions, I was very pleased to see Charles Leclerc have a normal weekend. <laughs> he outqualified his teammate. He drove a really solid race. Didn't get into any trouble. The strategy was fine. The pit stops went okay. He picked up some points. Happy days. Have you seen? Have you seen the thing that he thought he was on the podium and he didn't realize until he finished the race because he passed. He passed some when it was the virtual safety car. He passed Red Bull car and he thought that was Max crashing out the race or something. Oh, and it turns out it was Perez is going really slowly. <laughs> so he finished the race and he then thought he was third and he's actually fourth. If, yeah, if you he ever had a, he had a yeah. Had a good weekend. If you ever wanted an insight into the difference between a really cerebral driver and one who just concentrates on driving the car as fast as possible, that's it right there. Because Charles <laughs> just not paying attention to anything else. He's like, I'm going to drive the car as quickly as possible and where I finish is where I finish. <laughs> he's too busy thinking about the piano music he's going to write. <coughs> yes. Um, sorry, listener. I've got a bit, of a bit of a cough there. I actually swallowed a bug whilst I was walking my, walking my daughter earlier on, so that might, might be it. <clears throat> Anyway, oh, you didn't want to hear that. Uh, you got the. You then got number fifteen, Valtteri Bottas, who you predicted finish. to finish in fourteenth. Uh, and as you mentioned, he was in the wars a little bit um, and finished twentieth, thanks to oh. thanks to Logie Bear driving into him. So he picked up six points there. And then you had Charles Leclerc in the other Ferrari, who you predicted to finish in sixth. He finished in fourth, as we mentioned. So two points, so nine total. Okay. Okay. Um. Reasonably happy yeah, with that. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty standard average weekend. Very, very good. Uh, I had Kevin Magnussen. I predicted him finishing 17th. He was classified as 15th, largely because of all the retirements. <clears throat> so I picked up two points there. I had Logan Sargent, who I predicted to finish in 20th. I actually can't believe 
madness happened and he didn't finish dead last. But he didn't. <laughs> he was classified 17th, so I picked up three. And then the one that let me down, can you guess who he drives for? It's, yes, everyone's favourite, Aston Martin. Daddy's favourite boy, Lance Stroll, who I predicted finishing 13th. And he finished in 18th, so I picked up five points and for a total of 10. So he won by one Ooh, point. One point. Oh, I, I always just seem to nick it, don't I? Yeah, you've had you've had a few. To be fair, you've had a very a few very very good weeks, and I've had a couple some of shockers. pretty pretty bad ones, and that's probably the Fernando Alonso. Yeah, I mean Fernando was a stinker. Um, that was really bad. What did I have last? Yeah, Alonso last week that cost me nine. Uh, Stroll this week cost me five. Although I don't necessarily think Stroll's was his fault. He got crashed into. To be fair, um, so yeah, not brilliant, not brilliant. But there we go. You had, to be fair, you had Stroll last week and he cost you seven points. Yeah. Well, there we go. Basically, Classic avoid Stroll. Aston Martin at all costs. <laughs> well, you say that. We're going to do... So next weekend, there is no race. Uh, but the weekend after, we've got Qatar. Uh, so we're going to do our predictions for Qatar right now. So, Sam. Yes, we are. You're going you're gonna to get your number generator out and see, see who the first pick is. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it doing live last time, so I'm doing it again. It's good. It's good. It adds a good element to it. Okay. First out of the blocks, number ten. <laughs> is it? Is it? A, is it Stroll? It's Stroll. Oh, you've jinxed it! You've jinxed it, right? Stroll in Qatar, fifteenth. Okay, Boom. straight in, fifteenth. Very good. That's that's really. I can't believe that. Oh, please right. let the next one be Alonso. I will piss you, myself. This this that that was very well. This is going to be very well. If it's not, if it's number if four, it's... I will cry. Okay, here we go. Okay, number thirteen, Alex. Albon. Ooh, uh, I'm going to go 11th, just outside the points. Okay, well, that's a pretty solid bet. Last one. Ooh, number nine. Oh, it's Bay Oscar Piastri. Well, he's only ninth in the championship. Wow. Um, yeah, he's actually. I, I didn't realize quite how far behind Norris he was. So he's got 57 points to Norris's 115. I mean, he, he had a couple wow. of things, didn't he? he? Got him and was it him and Ocon that had that incident in Spa, cost a load of points. Mm. Uh, science, science. That's right. Yeah, not a con. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's had he's had he's had a couple of unfortunate incidents. Let's say that probably left some points on the table. But um, yeah, it does, and does, Norris had, Norris has done really Norris well. Had lots of, he's had lots of podiums as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Norris is only twenty points behind Leclerc now in sixth. So Jeez. Uh, chasing down, uh, chasing down. Piastri. Where will Piastri finish? I think he's going to finish third i think he's getting oh, back to that podium i, I, ba- like I back it. him i'm very I back happy him. with that very good i'd take that okay right my first driver please get alonzo please get alonzo my first driver is number eight george russell Ooh, where's he gonna finish probably behind lewis but where yeah, I think you have to you have to really think about the grid and how it will line up, won't you, before like if we make a prediction. Yeah, well this and the well, because the developments this year has been quite quick, um, it sort of sneaks up on you a little bit. So like Ferrari as well, the fact that they've developed really well and they look a real match for Mercedes. I'm gonna go solid points sixth place. Nice. That's a safe bet. Okay, number eighteen. Oh no! It's Magnussen again. You, you and Kevin Magnussen, you've got some sort of partnership. If I get Alonso third, I'm quitting the game. Genuinely, <laughs> uh, right, Magnussen. Oh, the tension! That has tension. that has is garbage. They're bringing a new car, aren't they, to the American Grand Prix? But yeah, Dakota, but not for Qatar. So it's going to be garbage still. Uh, are there many crashes in Qatar? We've only been there once. I don't remember there being many. No. All right. On pace, I'm going to go 17th. It's probably a, a pretty accurate bet. Last one. Here we go. Will it be Alonso? Oh, that's another tough one. 16, Joe Guan Yu. Ooh. He's not come up for there a while, has he? Um, no, he's not. It's actually. He's, him and Bottas are the two forgotten men. Is not Alfa Romeo going to be up to anything? Not likely. I think they'll. I think they'll finish. I think sixteenth. I'll go just above Magnussen. Nice. That's a tough. That's a tough roster there. 
I mean, all, we all, both... all six aren't. I mean, I think Piastri is probably the safest. Although you've yeah. gone third, that's brave to be fair with them. We've not had many. We've not got many high championship standing ones, have we? Really, no, there's that's... no one from Red Bull. Yeah, no, no one from Ferrari. Yeah, that's two weeks in a row we've not had any Red Bulls. Yeah, the highest number we had last week was number five, or the highest in the championship was number five. That was Sainz. Uh, the week before that, I mean, I did get Max, and then after that it was Alonso. Lol. Uh, but yeah, this week George Russell's the highest, highest driver. So yeah, no Lando, Charles, Carlos, Fernando, Lewis, Perez, or Max. Wow, wow. And do you think do you think Max will win the race again? Yeah. Do you think he win? He can win the world championship on the Saturday. So do you think he'll be world champion on the Saturday? Oh yeah, he'd be the first one to do it, wouldn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, not for, not for I think oh, I think I saw a tweet saying earlier like it happened like in the 1950s, but I didn't read it close enough to recall. I it, mean, given but... how bad Perez is doing, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, it'd be quite funny if he if he wins on Saturday, goes on a massive bender, and then has a shocker <laughs> on the Sunday. I would actually quite enjoy. It that. just doesn't show up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have to get Lawson out. in, and Lawson wins his Ooh. maiden Grand Prix. There we go. There we go. You've written the script for it now. That would be fun. Um, no, I yeah. think Max will. Will still be uh, his usual Thanos self and waltz to victory again. Yeah, he's going to go on a bit of a run again. I think apart apart from maybe Brazil, where you, where you're betting on a Hamilton win. Absolutely. Yeah. If if Hamilton doesn't win, I think Verstappen could win win every other race of the season. Yeah, that does feel quite a likely outcome now. Except yeah, I mean, doesn't doesn't even feel that that outrageous to say really. Whereas you know, if I said that. You know, a year ago, you were like, oh, no, no, someone else will definitely win a race. But It's a bit annoying they were so bad in Singapore. I think we'll look back on this season and just be a bit irked that we've had this season where one team has been so dominant and one driver has been so yeah. dominant, but that team's not won every race. Yeah. They've lost one. The, yeah. And that'd be the season we start a podcast about Formula 1 and we don't <laughs> like Red Bull. <laughs> yes. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. Uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you enjoyed it, why don't you share it with a friend? Hopefully, they enjoyed it or they enjoy the podcast more than Logan Sargent is enjoying his time in Formula One right now. Oh. Thoughts, thoughts with Logan. Yeah. Pray for the lizards and Logan. <laughs> the list of prayers gets longer every week. <laughs> yes. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Lights Out Lads and on Instagram we are at the lights at the lights out pod. Yes, indeed. And our next episode is on Greatest Controversies Part Two, uh, and I can tell you it's going to be an absolutely cracker. We've already filmed it, uh, recorded it, sorry. So uh, yeah, we know it's a good one, mm. and uh, we do reference the North London Derby. So and we did talk about different scenarios. And the one story we didn't talk about was a draw, which actually happened. So you can enjoy. <laughs> You can enjoy listening to that a week after it's happened. But yeah, that'll be out next week. Uh, and we'll be back for our next uh, race podcast after Qatar Grand Prix. So that's all from us. All the best and goodbye. Bye-bye.